this is as real as it gets. Hey, this is Marcia Prince, IFBB Bikini Pro and Gasberry Nutrition Spokesmodel, and you are listening to the UCW Radio Show, In Your Face. The number you have reached, 911, has been changed to a non-published number. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. Give it to me, baby. Alright, welcome to the UCW Radio Show, and of course, I thank you for tuning in. Uh, we have another great guest that's just waiting to come on the show. And, you know, in, in Hollywood, you have some mediocre actors, you have some good actors, and you have some great actors, and our next guest is definitely a great actor. Uh, he's did, He's done everything from theater to film and television and he's still going strong uh, working on a lot of great projects he's done everything from cherry to fire to breaking away to his latest uh, project with the great quentin tarantino uh django unchained so without further ado please join me in welcoming the great dennis christopher to the show Dennis, welcome to the UCW Radio Show. I'm really excited to have you on. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you're coming off. I mean, your your background is is intense. You've done a lot of things from uh, film, TV. You've been in the uh, entertainment business for some time. Yeah, let's not leave out theaters. I've done three Broadway shows as well. Not that I'm boasting. <laughs> yeah, but you're an old. You're you're a well-rounded uh, entertainer. Uh, no doubt. I about liked it. how you were. I liked how you were first going to say it. You said you're an old dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you then, because <laughs> then you may you may slap me. That wouldn't work out too well. Not for this interview. <laughs> uh-huh. No, but you know, I, again, I was reading, um, going over your, your your background, the movies you were in, the TV uh, um, programs that you were on. From uh, I think you were on Criminal Minds and uh, things of that nature. You know, but I yeah, one of the uh, one of the um, projects that you were on one of the films you were in uh is, is a classic okay breaking away uh you you were um, nominated for a golden globe if i am not mistaken for that uh, for your role of dave stoller yeah and the uh, good people in england gave me a BAFTA award for it as well which is sort of the english equivalent it's not sort of it is the english equivalent of the academy award so um that was um it was a sweet time for me it was a great movie to be involved in yeah, from from there you you've done a lot of a lot of other projects, but I but I want to start. I want to kind of like go go to the beginning, Dennis. Um, sure. How did what brought you into getting involved in the entertainment business? Did you start out in theater? Uh, yeah, I I started out in theater, um, but um, you know, the, I guess the secret of it was is that um, when I was a kid, I I wanted to be a priest because I thought priests were magicians. And I thought, why wouldn't everybody want to be a magician? Um, so uh, it went from there to um, sort of that kind of thing of like um, practicing ritual in front of people in, in a church, um, connecting with God. Mm-hmm. Um, once I hit pu- puberty and I found out about sex, it was definitely off the list. So theater was the next best thing. <laughs> so that uh, the pre- and, pre- pre- and actually. And actually, I do believe that uh, creativity can bring you 
closer to a, a, a God-like being. You know, I mean, it can help you find the spirit in life, which is, for me, the higher power. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I guess you can see it that way. Um, it kind of makes sense, you know. You're, you, you kind of when you're when you're acting, you bring yourself, uh, I guess, into another world. Yeah, it, it helps you understand other people, um, other ways of thinking, other cultures, um, other times, and um, nothing can bring you closer to that. I mean, you can study history as long as you want, but when you're actually playing a person from another time. You have to develop the way they walk, the way they talk, the way they, the way they eat, um, the the sociological and sexual mores of the time. It's it's accelerated history. It's uh, extreme history to be acting in something that takes place in a different time. Yeah, but which is also incredibly gratifying. Even things that take place now, mm-hmm. you start to understand people that you um, that you normally wouldn't know, wouldn't be friends with, don't find that in yourself. Mm-hmm. But somehow you do have to find that in order to play that, whatever it is that you're playing. Well, when you're doing period pieces, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's a lot of research, a lot of reading, uh, yeah. a, a lot of, you know, intensities involved there because, you, as you said, you have to get in mode with that time. And you can't, yeah, look, yeah, you can't yep. be, you, know, you have to actually transform yourself into that person. Yeah. Totally. Looking at pictures, absolutely all of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, a perk to acting is the research that you get to do on the roles. Yeah, well, you know, see, you have actors that actually do this, and you have some people that just want to get into a film. You know, this is your career. This is your passion. You know, this it's not it's not work to you. It's just a part of you. It's a part of your life. Yeah, I mean, I um. There's nothing else. There's no, at this point in my life. There's nothing else that I uh, uh, that I'm probably good at doing. Um, I've been an actor since I was 17. Um, now I've had a lot of odd jobs until I was able to, with uh, my career choice. Um, but thank God I haven't had to do any of those for a number of years. Um, I. It's funny. I'm from a different time, and um, you know there were movie stars. Um, you know when I was growing up in the. Um, 70s and 80s and the 60s. I, I mean, we used to put posters of movie of old-time movie stars up on our wall, you know, in the mm-hmm. dorm or, you know, in your bedroom. And they'd be those big black and white photographs of people. They were stars to me. They're, there was nobody a, around that seems to, that seemed to be a celebrity because they were um, a housewife of anywhere mm-hmm. or on any kind of a, a reality show. Uh, so I really think that um, values have changed and perspectives have, have changed. So when I decided to be an actor, I decided to be an actor not to be famous, not to be necessarily a star, but to be an actor, to be a working actor. Um, usually that means character actor. You know, when I was younger um, and a little bit more fit, I had my, my run at being a, a younger leading man, and that worked out really well. But I think at heart I always have been a character actor. With no, no real dreams of superstardom, I mean, what I wanted was the parts. What I wanted was the interesting roles, whether they be on theater, or a film, or television. Um, now it's a little bit different. Now I see that people get in this business or practice this art form to become famous. And uh, I, I, I don't really know how that works because um, to try to discover yourself 
because you want to be a celebrity. I don't know. It just doesn't, the, the equation just doesn't add up for me. So I don't really kind of understand that uh, uh, very much. Uh, I think... it, it was more of a quieter decision within me to do this. You know, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't like, I'll give this a try for a year, and if it doesn't work out, I'll give it up. That was never an option. It was never, never an Well, I mean, the one thing that I can say is that any 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 uh, actor that I've had on the show uh, that's worth their salt, their main, um, I guess their main thing was they were happy to be a working actor. They were happy to be working, period, mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. They wanted to hone their craft, and it, it, whether it was, uh, you know, like in your case with the period pieces and, and uh, getting into that character or learning how the lighting worked, learning how uh, the cameras yeah. rolled, uh, learning everything you can about your craft, because it's not just acting. It's everything, com- you know, c- kind of coming together for you to make a good project. You can even make a mediocre project a good project, a good project, a great project just by your involvement in it. And, yeah. and, and well, There's another secret to it, too, is um, sometimes you're not always in the plum projects or the plum roles or mm-hmm. you know the, the rest of the cast or the director is confused or it's a, a flawed script, but you want to play that character. Or, quite frankly, you just need the rent money. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that happens um, even in a project, even, a, even in a project that might not be a perfect one or even a good one. There's a humanity among the people between the cast and the crew, the other actors and the crew members. You're all working towards one goal. It may not be the loftiest goal in the world, but it's a very bonding experience. Mm -hmm. And um, a set, a theater, is where I feel the most comfortable in with the kind of interpersonal relationships that you develop when you're working on these these projects. That's really rewarding. Um, And that can turn any poor project into something that you still enjoy going to do every day yeah and that that i certainly can see you know because working at theater dennis you know it's a lot different than uh making a movie or doing a tv yeah. series it's a lot different it's like night and day <laughs> yeah 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 well the p- p- the pay is strikingly different um but uh also it's but but the perk with theater is that it's tremendously exhilarating because once the curtain goes on up once the play starts that's it. You're on your own. I mean, the director is hands off after opening night. So you don't have a guide anymore. You've done, done that in rehearsal, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And you just get to, uh, you're out of the start, starting gate and you're just flying. You know, it, it's like, I imagine it's like athletes once they start going down the toboggan or, go, or skiing down the, down the slopes. You know, once the game starts, it starts. That's it. And you just have to carry it forward. And it can be really exhilarating to connect with the audience. Well, and plus, oh, you, you have to be on your toes, too, you know, because, I mean, if somebody misses a line, you have to be prepared to kind of carry that, that, that scene or whatever you need to do. You can't just be uh, sitting on the sidelines waiting for someone to, to, to remember their lines. If they mess up, yeah. you've got to pick up slack. Yeah, same thing. Or if you go off, too, finding out how you can weave the story back again if you've left out a certain part, right. if uh, you're involved in as I've been pages and pages of monologues uh, where it's only you speaking, um, it can be a daunting thing, but it's, it's, it's an immediate sense of accomplishment. With film, you do your best, you do great work, and then you turn it over. It doesn't belong to you. Right. Um, it belongs to the director who's serving the, uh, the, the, the script, the story that he's making. Yeah, no. uh, where theater, there's more of a sense of ownership after you open in a play. You know, you, like I say, the curtain goes up your connection with the audience is palpable 
If it's mm-hmm. working, you can feel it, mm-hmm. and that pushes you even further. Yeah, well, because you really, I mean, if, you, if you're good at what you do, you will connect with the audience, and you will become a, yeah. you, you would br- you'll bring the audience to you. You make them yeah, a that's part why, of what you're doing, yeah. That's why so many people, even big stars, you know, they want to go back to the theater. Mm-hmm. They want to try it. Uh, they want to do it. They want to get that feeling. Um, they want to expand and stretch themselves, which is something that you get to do in rehearsal, yeah. which a lot of times you don't have on screen, especially with television work. Yeah, well, one one of the most impressive things that, uh, as far as theater is concerned, that I've seen was uh, it, it had to do with Al Pacino. I, he was in making the yeah, big, big, big big star in, in Hollywood. He, I went to go see. Uh, he did a, a two man show. It was him. Uh, it was a circle and square, and it was him and Bentley from the Jeffersons. And yeah. I, I, I was about three feet away from him, and I was in awe because he, I mean, I mean, just kept rattling on and going on the synergy everything he brought the whole whole audience into it and I, I was like wow you know this is a big movie star but he can actually act and he's not there's nobody cutting nothing non-stop for about i think about an hour or so he was going and uh that that impressed me more than uh watching a, a big budget uh, film actually yeah, well, but you know, he's uh, he's magic to watch on stage, and uh, he's never lost his connection with the theater. Yeah, and, and I thought that was uh, interesting. But you know, you you've come across a lot of uh, uh, talented people in, in in theater. I'm sure you know because you, you've worked with some of the best. Uh, yeah, I've been very lucky in that respect. Yep. Yeah, yep. and and what... first Broadway show I did was with uh, the great Broadway legend Maureen Stapleton, and. Um, a little unknown actress named Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my introduction to the Broadway stage, doing a, 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 a Lillian Hellman play called The Little Foxes. It was when Lillian Hellman was still alive. So she was a presence at the rehearsals, and it was a, a, quite a fantastic uh, introduction for me to the Broadway stage. I mean, I'd done a lot of stage before that, but uh, Broadway is just a whole different animal. Yeah, well, well, let me ask you this: when you were when you were doing the uh, the Broadway, uh, you know, theater circuit, when you when you were doing that, what brought you to wanting to to jump into film? I know it's a natural t- transition, but I, I like to get the uh, the point of view from uh, from the individual because every, everyone's story is different as to why they jumped into TV or film as opposed to yeah. staying in theater. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, is uh, I became an emancipated minor when I was 17 after doing theater work when I was young. Um, but, uh, you know, every um, I, I grew up in Philadelphia and every Monday I'd go down to the library and read the New York Times cover to cover, especially the arts and leisure section. And uh, I was gobsmacked by reading it, reading about all the plays and the actors and seeing those Hirschfeld drawings. It really um, made a deep impression on me and something that I really wanted, but it also scared me mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't think that, uh, you know, I was a kid and I, I thought, I, I, I can't uh, go up against that. I, I, there's, you know, I, I don't have that uh, experience or that knowledge or even that um, chutzpah that it takes to, to do theater. Mm-hmm. Let me go to California. It seems like they let a lot of people on television <laughs> that uh, might not have a lot of experience. So let me go there and try and get my chops going there. And uh, I got out to California, and as as much as I tried, television didn't, didn't really want me at that time because I, apparently I was an asset to movies because I looked really young. I looked much younger than 17, 
And uh, since I was an emancipated minor, there was no need for me to have a, a chaperone or a teacher on set, all those things that come with a, a real juvenile actor. Right. So um, I got uh, a, a lot of parts in movies right off the bat and uh, continued in that vein. I, I didn't come back to television until a long time after that. All right. So when I mean, I'm just looking at just as I'm talking to you, I'm just looking at the the list of films that you've been in. And uh, I mean, Chariots of Fire, everyone knows that movie. And I mean, was but how was how was it for you doing a film like that? Well, that was an amazing thing because I'd, I'd done Breaking Away and um, the uh, the great legendary producer, David, you know, who was putting the picture together for you, Hudson, who was our director, mm-hmm. um, needed a couple of actors that had box some box office cred and having to get the financing in place because most of the character characters or all the characters in the picture at that point were unknown English actors. So for the American market and the international market today, you needed a couple of sort of marquee names. And Breaking Away had been such a hit, and uh, Brad Davis uh, was a known actor at that point. And um, they brought us on board to kind of um, help with the financing. So that's how I got into that picture. uh, It was an amazing, amazing thing to be. And, of course, all those young actors, those English actors, have gone on to have illustrious careers on stage and in film. So, you know, they... They they brought you in as far as uh, bringing your name to the table so they can get the financing. But in reality, yeah. you know you're 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 ultra talented. So they uh, they hit a grand slam with bring with, with giving you the part. Well, uh, also and the that's fact my, that's that my that's, that's my opinion. I know you're not going to say it. That's just my opinion. Well, you know, also the fact that it was you know it was about the, a great portion of that movie takes place at the Olympics, and uh, they wanted to you know, and I finished. I, I had uh, done this uh, bicycle movie, Breaking Away, which was tremendously popular. And, um, you know, it was sort of like killing two birds with one stone. It was helping them get the financing, and they thought they were hiring an athlete. Little did they know um, that when I arrived on the set that I'm not an athlete, that I've been an actor my whole life. And uh, it's funny, I got, to, I got to experience that part of adolescence on screen. Uh, I never really was uh, an athlete at all. And uh, here I'm being a champion bike racer, an Olympic uh, runner. Uh, I did a picture called California Dreaming where I, I surf in it. So I really got <laughs> to live the kind of physical life that you do when you're in high school. Um, but uh, I got to do it on the screen and walk home with a paycheck. Well, there's, there's nothing uh, not, nothing wrong with that, you know. Uh, oh. I mean, cause, yeah, I mean, you when, when you're when you're doing a film like that, and you're not an athlete, but you have to do things that are athletic, you actually have to put your your everything into it. Um, I know, yeah. I know. I mean, I mean, I know some actors, and I know it with you, it has to be as well. They'll go and go work. 12, 13, 14, 16 hour days if they need to in order to get, you know, things going and get get the get the part right and and do whatever they need to oh, do yeah. to help the film or or yeah. TV project. Was, yeah. There was a lot of training involved in uh, all those athletic parts that I did uh whipping me into shape, but what you have to realize as far as breaking away, I mean, they came to me up with an Olympic cyclist who uh was the advisor on the movie and in, in some of the uh long shots um, he uh, he stood in for me. And, uh, you know, I'm working with him, and I'm realizing that in two or three weeks, 
there's no way that I can make myself into a champion bike racer. No matter how fit I get, mm-hmm. there's too much to know. Nor could this guy who was a, a, a champion bike racer in two weeks become an actor who could carry a, a, a movie. So what you have to do is you have to do your research, even though that was a contemporary character. I had to know what the face looks like, what the breathing is, what the posture is, um, how you effort on a bike, what it looks like to be going at a certain uh, speed, what it looks like to be accomplishing certain feats, whether it be on the bicycle, the surfboard, or running in the Olympics. And um, that's the part that, where the actor comes in, where you recreate that physically. You might not be doing it like, the, like they're selling it on the screen. You might not be going 60 miles an hour on a, on a bicycle next to a semi-trailer, a semi-truck. But uh, you can make it look like that, and that's all you need. See, and that's the thing that amazes me. You know, when you train or you put yourself in that position that you have to go and learn all this stuff and do your research, do your homework, do everything you need, need to do to become that part. Nowadays, mm-hmm. as we, we talked about earlier, nowadays, you know, people just want to be famous. Put me in a movie, put me on TV, and make me famous. And, you know, the, the lack of talent, you know, to have someone like yourself, as talented as yourself, uh, if you if if they if they trained more actors today to be like that, we would have some really really talented people um, in films today. But I, I don't I don't see that yeah. uh, too much anymore. And no, we do have a lot a lot we have a lot of talented people in film today. I have to disagree with you. It's just that the uh, the market is is you know it's glutted with people that are trying to get on there. And um, you I mean. This year alone, look at the movies that we have right now. There's mm-hmm. just amazing actors in these unbelievable films. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that really ring true. They're the ones that, you're, that people are going to be watching you know, 25, 50, 100 years from now. Um, they're not going to be watching a reality show. Right. Uh, so it's just a confusion between the big paychecks, the exposure, the, the, the infotainment uh, magazines and television shows that has come out in the past 15 years. 20 years that just uh, seem to celebrate celebrity for the sake of celebrity. Mm-hmm. It's a, I don't know too many actors, too many finally highly skilled actors that are famous that actually enjoy the celebrity part of their life. Right. No, and I, they I, really I, don't. And I'm going to, they, they, they're fully well alive on the set because they're with other actors. They're in a safe place. But, they don't have to worry. You know, you're courting, you're courting somebody that you just met and, you know, paparazzi are jumping out, taking pictures. How are you ever going to get to know the person that you're dating? Do you know what I mean? When are you ever going to be in a, in a, in a quiet situation where you can learn who each other are, who, who, who you really are? Um, it's a, it, it can be a trap. It can be a jail in itself. And um, it's just an unfortunate thing that happens with, with celebrity and people that become very, very famous in their craft. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I am going to correct myself because, uh, you know, you do have talented actors and actresses, you know, that, that, are, that are working, that are in film. You know, I, I guess what I was alluding to is that you have some some people that really aren't talented just because they uh, they have some sort of fame somewhere else that thrown into a part yeah. where that part can actually go to someone talented. I have friends of mine in Hollywood ultra talented but they don't get the work that they should be getting because it's thrown to someone that's less talented but they have some stardom doing something and you know um i just think that that that's a shame because hollywood you know films acting is a uh, it's a craft 
It's not yeah. it's not something oh, I'm going to do this today, but uh, next week I'm going to go do uh, some other reality show, whatever whatever the case may be, or a really bad sitcom. But mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> we're not. You know that that takes place in every business that people are in. You know, there are people that are skilled at what they're doing, people that are just faking it, right. and people that are just ripping other people off. So you know, it's it's everywhere. It just seems to be a little more uh, prevalent because I say the the generational shift that happened when everything went from being an actor and an artist to being a celebrity. Something happened, something fractured there, and uh, the, there was a crack that was that was opened up and just a lot of people started flooding in. And um, it's a shame. But, you know, we're really not here to talk about that. We're, talk, we're here to talk about the people that have dedicated their life to something and uh, mm-hmm. have a profession, right. which is acting, right. and uh, that's what you rely on. You're not, you're, not, you're not looking to become a household name necessarily. You're looking to, uh, to serve the writer, serve the director on whatever project that you're doing. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. And, and, you know, and it's funny, uh, one actor that comes to mind when I think about the paparazzi, and, but he's very, he's very talented is Johnny Depp. Okay. Oh yeah, he's I mean, a great actor. I mean, great actor. He gets into the parts. It's a, it amazes me, and you know. But then you know, with the paparazzi and all that stuff, you know. I mean, I don't. I never thought that he was chasing the fame. I think for him, it just came. Yeah. No, I, I don't think so either. I think once he did that television show, he he decided what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. What he the fame that he got from the television show what was that. Uh, what, what was that? Uh, Twenty One Jump Street. 21 Jump Street, yep. yeah. Uh, he took his notoriety from that and um, really made a decision about what kind of directors he wanted to work with, what kind of uh, uh, um, stories that he wanted to tell, and held out for those parts, and it really worked for him. Yeah, and he, he I mean, the parts that he got, you wouldn't think, you you would hear about it say, well, really, him? Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but he pulled it That's, off, you know. He, yeah, and in the beginning, you have to overcome that... Uh, typecasting that happens when you're in a television show. You know, you're not going to be a movie star, you're not going to be this, you're not going to be that. But he overcame that because his talent willed out. That's what he was really dedicated to. That's what he was really chasing. Yeah. Uh, rather than the fame or um, or the money, necessarily. Yeah, and that, but it came. Yeah, and that's someone, again, you know, and that, that as I spoke about earlier, you know, he learned his, he, he really practiced his craft. He learned it. He, uh, not only uh, acting, but also, again, lo- knowing the, the lighting, the camera, this, that, and, and, and doing what you do and really researching and becoming that person to the point that you're probably, you know, like Robert De Niro, you become that person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then you, you probably don't change for a, for a few months after that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after it's over. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, let me ask you this, Dennis. Now, um, have you done a lot of independent film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my time, I have absolutely. I did what I guess before this picture. I did what could be called an independent movie because it was uh, produced, directed, written by uh, a man that um, deals in independent movies, Henry Jaglum. So uh, that was a little independent film. It's called Queen of the Lot, and I did that before uh, Tarantino's Django Unchained. So yeah, I keep my hand in. You know, if there's a director I want to work with, or a director that wants to work with me interesting part interesting subject whether it's a lead role or a supporting role i'll go for it yeah i think that's fantastic because you know there's uh, with independent films and, and big budget films you know there, there there is a big difference 
you know, but yeah. it, it, but if you're if you like the part, you know, uh, it's easier for you to work with. But um, yeah. but I guess working also on, with independent movies, you know, they go so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you'll you'll shoot a picture in three weeks, whereas Django Unchained, I was on that for four months. So it is a completely different animal, and um, a lot. One could almost say that uh, that uh, Django was even harder to do because of the amount of time and the hours that were spent on the set and the responsibility that was laid on you by working in this uh, multi 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 million dollar project you mm-hmm. know for this director that um, you know it's a once in a lifetime chance to work with Quentin Tarantino I mean it's just a, a fantastic opportunity so you really don't want to blow it. And you're working with some of the best cameramen in the business, some of the finest uh, craftsmen in the business, from the camera department to the sound department to uh, production design, wardrobe. Uh, you may not have that in an independent movie, or you definitely don't have that in an independent movie. It's uh, it's fast. It's usually one take, maybe two. It's not the coverage that you get in the bigger movies, but it's a different style. You know, the different. Uh, it's uh, you know, the difference from. Uh, going to see off off Broadway to seeing Broadway you know it's just a different animal it's a different experience yeah but what some people some people don't like big movies yeah intimidated by it they they don't like it they don't they don't find the truth in some really really big budgeted movies um, but those kind of movies can really spin an adventurous tale around you you know with the special effects and with the locations and stuff like that so it's a different thing. It's a different kind of story. Difference between reading a short story and reading a novel. Yeah, but I, I would think that independent filmmakers would want more so to work with someone like yourself because at the end of the day, beyond you being a great actor, you save mm-hmm. you save them money. Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's something to be considered. Yeah, yeah, I and, really do. And and I say that you save them money because you know you're talking about. Uh, 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 shooting something once or twice or three times if you are talented and you honed your craft the way you have and you understand the lighting everything else you can you can do something possibly in one shot that may take someone that's not as experienced a few times to yeah. get it right and the, the you know the director may have to stick with whatever he's working with and uh and, and probably uh it'll um it'll, it'll kind of take away from his vision for what the film should be well, there's problem solving with a seasoned actor, with possibly a new or an independent director. There's some problem solving that can happen when you have a, a seasoned actor in a role. Yeah, no, that, that... he'll know something that you'll know something that has to pick, take place that possibly the director isn't aware of yet. Um, and uh, this camera angle is just a way of turning to the camera, turning away from the camera, where you can save them a, sh- a setup, you know, if you can do something in a certain way when you're figuring out the blocking of the scene before you shoot it, you can do it in such a way that, um, you know, you can go from a long shot right into a close-up so they don't have to reset the camera, so they don't have to move it around, so it's, it doesn't take another hour or two hours to move everything to, around. You know, you can know what it is to do that makes the uh, the camera setups uh, go a little bit faster. Yeah, and and, and again, you, they're saving money and their budget is kept intact because again, someone like yourself actually uh, can enhance a project and uh, you know make a as I said earlier, make a good project a great project. All right, but but, but we're going to do Dennis. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. Uh, with you because we're going to talk about Django Unchained and sure. uh, find out more about the the great flick by Tarantino. So we're going to be right back yeah. with uh, Dennis Christopher. Yeah. 
Tonight, we continue a tradition here at the White House by honoring some extraordinary people who have no business being on the same stage together. <laughs> We've got Buddy Guy sitting next to Dustin Hoffman. We've got Dave Letterman alongside one of the greatest ballerinas of all time. I don't think Dave dances. All three living members of Led Zeppelin in one place. (laughs) 
so uh, this is a remarkable evening, and it, and it speaks to something that has always made this country great. Uh, the idea that here in America, more than any other place on earth, uh, we are free to follow our own passions, explore our own gifts, wherever they may lead us, and people from all around the world come here uh, to make sure that uh, they too can uh, provide us the incredible gifts uh, that they have. Tonight's honorees uh, didn't just take up their crafts to make a living. They did it because they couldn't imagine living any other way. And that passion took each of them from humble beginnings to the pinnacle of their profession. And tonight, in the People's House, we have a chance to say thank you. All right, welcome back to the UCW radio show, and we're here with the great actor Dennis Christopher. Dennis, uh, you know, welcome back. Thanks. All right, now uh, you, you're working. You, you did a film that's coming out uh, Christmas Day. Uh, yeah, Django Unchained. Now I, I've been, you know, we we talked about your career and everything, the beginning of the show, and Django Unchained. That's a Tarantino film, and he's done. I mean, a lot of eclectic work. Now, how did it feel for you working with him? Uh, you know, I know it's been overused, but he really is a genius. But he's a, he's such a great guy. He's such an open, passionate, generous director. He's very inclusive. I mean, working on his set is, uh, you can't wait to get to work every day because uh, he's working at the top of his game. He's very joyous. He's focused. He can be hard on you in times, at times because he, he wants to get what he wants to get. But there's no finer place to be. There's no more fun that you could possibly have in between takes. He's a, he's a happy, happy man because he's doing what he wants. And it's, very, it's not very often you get to work with um, people who are not compromised by the budget or by their own talent or by uh, a hackneyed script. In this case, everything was operating, you know. He didn't have to compromise at all. Quentin was allowed to shoot what he wanted, as much as he wanted. And since he wrote the script, you know you're getting good product there. So um, it's not, as I say, it's not very often you get a chance to work with somebody at the top of their game and a genius. And uh, it, uh, I, I felt very like I felt very blessed to have this opportunity. And then the other actors that I'm sitting at the table with are just uh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing to watch the way they work and sit there with them and work with them in the scenes. It's a, it's a great, great thing to have happened to me at this point in my career because I've loved his work a lot, and um, now I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely in it. And this is, this is a little bit different than your, the other projects that you worked on. Uh, you know, so, um, I mean, again, you, I mean, I... I have no doubt it was uh, wasn't a, a hard transition for you to go from from uh, let's say a more I don't know more serious film into doing a, a Django Unchained. Yeah, no, um, it you know it's every element. I mean, this picture is amazing. It's a spaghetti western. It's a, a love story. It's a buddy movie. Um, it's uh, you know it's got the uh, signature Tarantino ultraviolet violence in it. You know, he touches on slavery. It's, uh, it's a lot of story that the man is telling in this particular picture. But the overall effect of it is that it's a great ride. At, at one point at one of the screenings this week, I turned around to look at the audience watching the picture, and everybody had a smile on their face. And there's nobody coming out of the theater that didn't have a damn good time. They're enlightened as well, but you don't even realize you're being enlightened because it's such a good time. You know, and 
you end up laughing at things that normally you would think were horrifying, mm-hmm. and uh, that tells you something about yourself. Um, it's he makes you uncomfortable, but he, but he makes you have fun at the same time, Tarantino. And uh, there's just nobody like him. It's very hard to explain, but any Tarantino fan will, fan will know what I mean. And I think you'll know what I mean when you see the picture. Oh, yeah, I have no doubt. You know, when he makes a film, from from the first film he made and every film after that, you know, just his direction is a lot different than yeah. any other director that's out there, you know, because, as you said, he, you know, he has you, and he's, he's like tugging on your emotions all over the place. Yeah, he, uh, it's funny. He, he establishes something on a set, too. There are no uh, cell phones. No Blackberries, no iPads, no laptops, no cameras, no radios. No technology of any kind is allowed to be brought into the set. It has to be checked outside the set or if you're shooting on location, it's down the street and far away. Because he doesn't, and that's cast and crew. Mm-hmm. Um, even our producers weren't allowed to bring their devices into, the, in, into where we were shooting. Because he wants to create a reality of the moment. He wants everybody to be joined in this one particular goal. Um, he doesn't want you uh, checking your email and find out that your, you know, your kid's in detention again, or the pipes broke in the basement. Or he wants you to be in the mindset of what he has created on the set, whatever the story is. Ours happened to be take place two years before the Civil War, but he doesn't want any outside direct uh, outside distractions. So you can go from eight, ten, twelve, fourteen hours, sixteen hours a day, without ever checking your uh, electronic devices. And that never happens these days. Yeah, you know, people. I, I would. No, I know a lot of people that would freak out. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Well, it's disconcerting. You have to sign an affidavit before you start the movie really? that you won't uh, bring that stuff anywhere near the set. And, uh, you know, they have a guard that takes it away from you and writes it down and puts it in a safe place. And then you got, I just stopped bringing my devices anywhere near the set. I left them in my trailer. Mm-hmm. And uh, even at breaks in between time, I sort of got into the idea that the way you have to communicate is by looking somebody in the eye and talking to them. Mm. Because that's exactly what you're doing in a, in a film, mm-hmm. even though the words aren't yours, they're the writer's words. It's that communication that has to happen between the people, even if your character is lying, mm-hmm. or even if your character is saying something dastardly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's direct communication without the uh, filter of any of this technology, which seems like everything goes through technology at this point. Oh yeah, we're we're in that. That's the world we're in right now. But I do understand, yeah. you know, his point. Because yeah. he's bringing, he he wants everyone that's in, that's involved in the film to come into his world. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and that's he doesn't even like he doesn't even like his cast members hanging around on set in their street clothes. You know, you come to set, you're dressed as your character, even though they might not be getting to what you're doing till a little bit later. He likes to see all his chess pieces set and around him. Mm-hmm. He likes to see these characters that he envisioned on paper a year ago or months ago, come to life in front of him. So even if you're not involved in the set, he'll be watching you from across the room, from at the corner of his, uh, uh, corner of his eye. So, you know, see how you're sitting, how you're standing, who you're talking to, what you're doing. Um, he's kind of aware of everything on the set, uh, definitely. And uh, he loves actors, and he's constantly aware of what it is that they're, that they're doing. And the more that you would stay... In character, the more you would keep your accent going in between takes. He loves that kind of thing. He loves that total immersion um, route, and uh, I must say I did too. 
Yeah, okay, and, and key word, you, you immerse yourself, or he forces you to immerse yourself into the part because you do that, guess what? Now you are that person. You're in this film, you're, yeah. you're, you're doing it, you are that person, period, the end. And if, the more he sees of that, it, the, I mean, the better the, pro, the project's going to be. Yeah, and you know, you, you, you get a job with Tarantino, you want to give yourself over to it completely. You know, there's no, you, you don't want to hold anything back. No, I, I would. You want some immersion, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's a rare thing that you get to work with somebody that fantastic. Now, I've been lucky earlier in my career. I worked with a lot of great directors. So it's been particularly gratifying to me to come all the way around and end up with Tarantino. Yeah, and well, you know, the directors, all the directors that you worked with, they were different in, in nature. And yeah. to, to, for you to work with someone like Tarantino, you know, Again, it's a, it's a different animal altogether, but it's it's it's. I can imagine it being such a journey just to get into his mind, okay, and be in his little world there doing the film, and it must be like wow, like just a, a wow a wow thing for any actor. I, again, that that's just the way I see it. Yeah, you know, even the greatest stars that we had in this picture were wowed by the fact that they were working for Quentin. Yeah, I mean, who who was in the film? Uh, Jamie Foxx, right? Uh, Leo you got DiCaprio. Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leo DiCaprio, Sam Jackson, uh, Kerry Washington, uh, Walton Goggins is in it, uh, James Remar, uh, myself. Uh, we've got a lot of cameos in the picture as well. Don Johnson does a great part in the movie. have a lot of cameos, Bruce Dern, uh, Jonah Hill. Hmm. Um, and, and Quentin likes to sprinkle people all throughout. I mean, Bobby Carradine is in this movie, wow. you know, from The Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, we have, uh, um, it, it's, you know, that's one of Quentin's signatures to be putting people all throughout the picture that you might not recognize at first, but you go, oh, wow, I love that guy, or I love that girl. That, you know, that's that person over there. You know, it's constant discovery when you're watching his pictures. Yeah, I mean, Teddy, De Teddy Neely, the original and the only Jesus Christ superstar, is in our picture. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That that that's that's funny, you know. I, look, I I think that I I would think that any actor that had the opportunity to to, uh, to have a cameo in one of his films, they would jump at the chance. Yeah, I was at an event uh, last week for Hitchcock, and uh, I bumped into an old friend, Helen Mirren. I mm -hmm. hadn't seen her in many many years since uh, all the success that she has achieved, and um, she said, "Oh, you've done Tarantino's movie." She's that's fantastic. Will you please give him a message for me? This is a message that I've yet to deliver, but I will. She said, I want to work for him. You tell him that I want to work for him. I will carry a tray. I don't have to have any lines. I'll carry a tray. I just want to be on the set with Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I said, so the Queen of England wants to work for <laughs> Quentin Tarantino carrying a tray, the woman who played the Queen of England. And she said, you've got it. You just tell him that. Oh. That's how passionately people want to work with him and want to be on the set with him. Yeah, well, he, he's definitely one of the great directors of, of, our, of our time now. And he's, still, and, and he's, still, he's still bringing it in, in, in such a way that he doesn't, he doesn't stop. He doesn't compromise on his films either. You know, he doesn't really care what people may say he just puts his project together that he feels uh it's going to work best and he's hoping that the audience connects with it as much as possible yeah yep absolutely he makes pictures for himself and uh we've grown to love what he makes for himself you know there's a mantra that goes up when you know he gets a particularly good take or maybe you've worked for hours and hours and hours and the energy's failing a little bit 
and he says, why are we doing this? And the whole cast, crew, everybody, maybe 200 people on the set, screams out at the same time, because we love making movies. And this man loves making movies and knows every single thing about it, from the acting to all the technical points of it. He's, uh, he's, he seems to be most alive on the set, most, he's the most joyous character to be around. Yeah, and the interest- you know what? How many people can say that they love their boss? And when I worked for him, I loved my boss. You know, and that just doesn't happen a lot in life. Okay. And uh, I feel I feel very blessed to have been given that opportunity. Yeah, and well, someone like that, you know, you're working with someone or for someone like that, you know. Uh, again, I, I don't I don't see it as be as working for as as more working with because you know I I don't I really can't see him putting himself on a pedestal. Because he, he loves... No, he doesn't put himself yeah. in a pedestal, but you, 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 you have this respect for him because his knowledge of what of film history, of actors, of um, cinematographers, of every aspect of filmmaking is so encyclopedic that you know that this man is a genius mm-hmm. and it's safe to put yourself in his hands completely and, and do whatever it is that he asks you to do. If, there's never, there's never, a, there's never a, a fight or a discussion mm-hmm. because you know that he's got the vision. And it forces you to be a team member. It forces you to it doesn't be... Force, it doesn't force you. It allows it. He makes such a, a fertile, creative atmosphere mm-hmm. in the set that you want to give him whatever it is that he wants. But as an actor, you want that type of environment to work in. Uh, it's rare that it happens. That it, It's rare when, that it all comes together like it did on Tarantino's set. Yeah. It's rare. I mean, I've been blessed. I worked with Robert Altman twice, and I think of him as my sort of cinematic father. And he was another great presence to be around. And the atmosphere that he created on the set um, was a, a, another. You know, the more you keep people stimulated and happy. I mean, I've also worked for grumpy geniuses too. Mm-hmm. You know, that just kind of like push you around. And uh, you know, when you sign on for something, you're a tool that mm-hmm. they're using. You're 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 an element of of their storytelling. And uh, you're not necessarily there to make a new best friend. You're there to do a job. Right. But uh, with Quentin, it's a different thing because there's so much life infused in what he does. It's apparent when you watch his movies, and it's even more apparent if you're blessed enough to be on the set with him, yeah. which is why I think Helen Mirren wants to be on the set with him no matter what. Uh, well, hopefully she'll get that opportunity. But I, 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 I think if he if he knows about it, he'll he'll figure something out. <laughs> he he may make her into a ninja. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's got the world on a string right now. He seems to be able to do whatever he wants, and that kind of uh, control, that kind of power, uh, couldn't have been bestowed on a better guy. Yeah, no, that for sure. You know, he brings a lot uh, to the you know to the world of entertainment. He has since his very first film and every film after that. You know, he's always brought a different element. You know, whether it be a little comedy, a little this, a little that. He brought something to the table that made you want to watch it from beginning to end just to see what he was going to do next or what he had lined up next in the film. So it's... it's uh, exactly. Every, you don't know what's going to happen from one moment yeah. to the next. Yeah, when yeah. Watching yeah, it kind of draws you in there. That's why, you know, I, if I'm going to watch one of his films, I have to make sure I'm going to watch it from beginning to end, but I do, and I would watch it again, too. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, Tarantino, for sure. Now, let, let's talk about your character, you know, uh, in the film. You play a lawyer yeah. to uh, Leo DiCaprio, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm sort of the consigliere to this uh, very wealthy uh, plantation owner and his family, uh, a family that I've grown up with and that I've watched this uh, young man played by Leonardo who's been the characters in Calvin Candy watched him grow up as well so it's uh, one of those um, kind of 
uh, people that is uh, a lawyer, takes care of the business aspects of the plantation, but is also very close to the family. And uh, is his second, is the man that's always by his side. So you're, you're prominent in this film. Uh, I'm there a lot. I sure as hell am there a lot. I'm usually uh, found at Leo's right hand in this movie. Oh, that that's that's great! I can't I can't wait to see this. You know, um, you know, because I I saw I saw the trailers and I said, what Django, Django Unchained, Jamie Foxx, what's this about? And but then when I heard uh, Tarantino, I said, okay, let me. Uh, I think I need to see. I think I need to see this because you don't know what's going to happen. That's that's the yeah. thing. You don't know what's going to happen. You can see the trailer, but it doesn't even tell you anything, really. Yeah, Jamie Foxx is unbelievable in this movie. I mean, he. He starts out as a slave and uh, and becomes a bounty hunter whose real drive is to find his wife and get his wife back. It's really the first uh, romantic uh, story, love story, that Tarantino has done as far as directing is concerned. Um, and it's a mythic love story. It really is. It's on the grand scale. It's a pattern after a great myth of uh, Siegfried and Brunhilde, a German myth. And um, that's essayed in the movie as well. You'll find out more about that in the movie when you see it. But it's uh, it's an amazing thing. And Jamie, to see Jamie transforming himself from this terrified, um, downtrodden slave uh, to this man of strength and power that's um, reaping vengeance and setting the world right and setting his world right and finding his woman is an amazing transition to see. He, he does some beautiful, beautiful work in this. And... Christoph Waltz is uh, every storyteller's uh, dream actor to have in this movie because he tells the story in a most unique and uh, pleasurable way. You know him from Inglourious Bastards, and he's just an amazing, amazing actor, as is Sam Jackson. And wait until you see Kerry Washington in this. I mean, she's just so focused and such an empathetic character in this. She brings the whole nightmare of slavery into stark relief by in just a couple of scenes that are just amazing to watch her do this work well, i mean to see and it's not always dialogue you know what i mean yeah. it's not always dialogue it's in reaction shots and it's in uh circumstances that the characters find themselves in you know still written by by quentin but um not necessarily dialogue heavy you know yeah, but the, uh, go, going back to what you said, that he wants everybody in character while they're on set, you know, so, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're doing a scene and you may not you know, have any, um, any speaking going on within, within a few seconds or whatever it is, you know, but your yeah. action, reaction kind of tells a story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. He, you know, if Quentin ever didn't want to do um, film, he'd be a fantastic theater director because some of these longer scenes... He'd like to do them from the top to the bottom. And no matter who the character, no matter who the, film, the camera was on at the time, whether it be one of the lead parts or one of the supporting parts, um, everybody's full out in every single take. But I, I bet, I bet, and I have to bet on this, that he, you know, uh, Tarantino, that he, yeah. the people that he has, the actors that he has lined up, I have a feeling that he does a lot of his own casting. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I didn't get this at the normal route. This script arrived at my house uh, because um, apparently I've been on his radar for a long time, and he wanted me in the movie and uh, made that apparent when I went in to have a meeting with him because there was no real audition process that went on. Uh, I went in and we talked for three hours about movies, about 
the period in history about uh, the character, my character, and also just uh, I shared with him some of the research that he does uh, that I did on, on the picture. You know, one of the things with Quentin is he, he he names every character in the movie. He even names the horses that characters ride in the picture, and everything means something to him. So I went in and Googled uh, my my character's name, which was Leonid Mogi, and when I Googled it, I found out that he was a a, a not very Russian director that did three pictures in the United States and is responsible for discovering Ava Gardner. And uh, he was pretty impressed that I knew this, you know. And uh, I think if you, if you look at any of the characters' names in the movies, you'll find out why he named you that, why he named that character that particular name. Either it's he's paying homage to a certain director or a certain writer, mm-hmm. or he's got something in his mind. Terry Washington's uh, character is called Brumhilda von Schaaf. Uh, because um, in those days, plays took the um, the last name of the um, plantation owner, mm-hmm. and this was a, a, a plantation owner whose uh, wife was German, and they were called the von Schaffs. So Brumhilda took the name Brumhilda von Schaff, mm-hmm. and uh, in Quentin's mind, she's the great great grandmother of Shaft. <laughs> so there's all these fantastic layers and connections that will that sometimes are never apparent to the uh, audience when they're watching it. But everything means something. We know that there's a facet to everything that's going on Mm -hmm. because um, that's the kind of writer Quentin is and that's the kind of director he is. Everything means something to him. Um, Sometimes fanciful, sometimes very heavy. Well, I'll tell you this much, you know, after speaking with you about Tarantino, any of our listeners out there, if you didn't really like him, you after hearing this show you're going to you're going to love him because this is a guy that in in the world of Hollywood he's in the trenches with everyone else yeah. to make a project not okay not you know all right not good he's looking to make something magical yeah this is a masterpiece too this is his masterpiece i mean we've had some amazing um historical documents this year that are valuable, valuable movies that are made meticulously. They're brilliant movies that are going to be watched 25, 100 years from now. You know, we've got Lincoln. We've got uh, Zero Dark uh, Thirty. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Argo. And um, these are amazing historical documents. It's very important that these be made and that they will exist forever in the lexicon of films. And then you've got Django, who's Quentin Tarantino's not only telling you his reimagining of history, but is also a fantastic ride. It's so much fun. It's, it's got its own horror. It's got its own um, very difficult scenes to make it through, but it's also got a, a, a humor about it that is so life-affirming. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's why I say I turned around and looked at the audience. Everybody had a smile on their face in the whole theater, and there's some pretty stuff hard stuff going on in this picture. But the consensus of everyone that I've talked to after they've seen it is they had such a great time. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that really, if you're going out on a date and you want to have a great time, this is the movie to go to. And you as an actor, seeing that reaction, it must have made you feel all warm and fuzzy inside because that's, uh, that's, that's what you work hard for, to get yeah. a, a reaction from the crowd like that. Yeah, the warmest and the fuzziest. I mean, people just love this movie. They love seeing it. They not, you know, yeah, it's just, uh, it's an experience. It's like going to an incredible amusement park 
where you actually learn things, where you actually have conflicting feelings inside yourself while you're watching this, topped off with a good old laugh. Yeah, you know, but there's, there's nothing wrong with and, that. <laughs> and this amazing love story at the same time, this epic love story. So it's, it's satisfying on so many levels, this picture. Well, I think one day someone's going to make a movie about him. You know, like they made that movie Being John Malkovich. Uh-huh. It's going to be Being yeah. Quentin Tarantino. And God knows <laughs> what, what goes on in his mind. My God. <laughs> you're onto something there. I've never heard that before, but you're really onto something with that oh, idea. I mean, it would have to be someone that can really get in there. And I don't know too many people that can, you know, because a guy, you know, look, I think, I think any genius out there and what they do, I don't care if you're a scientist, uh, you're a director, you're an actor, you know, you have, um, there's something more to you that, unless someone really gets into your head, they really won't see it, okay, until mm-hmm. it's all over, until you got it all done, until, let's say, a film is done, okay, unless you work with Tarantino, okay, you don't know, you don't know until you know, you know, mm-hmm. and until you actually work with the man, so I think that's fantastic, and I, and I loved hearing this stuff from you, because now it makes me like him just that much more. Yeah, well, and you're going to like him more when you see this picture. I know I keep saying that, but it's really, really true. Yeah, and, and he, he, he picked uh, for a Christmas Day release. Yeah. Was, was there a reason for that? Um, you know, that's part of the business that I don't know anything about. I, I do know that uh, it seems like um, Harvey Weinstein, our, our fantastic producer, um, usually likes to finish off the year with something really strong, and he's got two great movies. Um, um, he's got... Um, He's got Django Unchained for the really big picture. Mm-hmm. And um, he's got the, the picture with Jennifer Lawrence and um, Bradley Cooper. Okay. That's his uh, smaller film. Yeah, but, um, but this is his 2012 coup de grace. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, well, I think that you know anyone, uh, any of our listeners out there, you want a good Christmas movie to go see, go see Django Unchained, and that D is silent. Yeah. And I know that because yeah. I saw the trailer. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. It's going to be the antidote to Christmas, too, because, you know, once you're once you just had the uh, reindeers and the Santa Claus and the, the overeating and uh, the warm and fuzzy exchange of presents and everything, you're going to want to go in and have your ass kicked a little bit by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, look, I mean, look, the, the, the way I look at things right now, you know, in, 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 in this country, in the world, you know, uh, but we'll talk about the country, you know, we're, we're facing a lot of things, the fiscal cliff, you know, uh, a lot of things are going to happen in 2013, a lot of people go, and during the holidays, a lot of people go through things, you know, so to, to escape into yeah, this is gonna, this right. Yeah, this, this will fill the bill on that, for sure, because he carries you away to a different time and place, and you know, like with Inglorious Bastards, he, he doesn't just uh, put history on film like some of these other magnificent movies have done, but he um, reimagines history. Mm-hmm. He sort of rewrites history in the way that he'd like to see it happen. That's, that's interesting, and that, that's really mm-hmm. interesting. See, now, may, more so, do I want to go see this? Yeah, so he's not only... Mm-hmm. Um, He's not only reporting what's happening, but he's engaging, I mean, because a lot of people know the facts of his historical time and historical place, but he engages your imagination at the same time. Yeah, you know, other people, they're reporting it in a brilliant way, telling you what happened, things that you didn't know, uh, that you didn't know the details of, you didn't know what really happened historically, how this came about, how this happened. Clinton tells you what happened, 
but he also reimagines it, and he awakens your imagination while you're watching this movie, so that you, instead of witnessing an event in history, you're dragged into it. And that that's that's a good point because when you're making a uh, like a docudrama, you know, you you like Lincoln, you know, that that kind of told the story from beginning to end. You know, it gave a different mm-hmm. perspective. You know, what you're talking mm-hmm. about here, he's telling you this is these are real events that happened. However, this is this is my ending to it. Yeah. Here's the artistic part of this idea. Right. Here's the part of this idea that didn't come from fact, but rather came from my imagination. Yeah, and I think that's amazing because that's that's not only talent, that's that's something that's that's something extra. Right. Yeah. Well, you said the word a minute ago. You said magical. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I didn't want to go there, but you went there, so I'll totally agree. That is what happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, I, he, I, he does make, he not only makes films, but he makes movie magic. You know, yeah. he really does. But, but isn't that what Hollywood's about? It's about making magic. It's about, you know, creating an environment and creating something that not only can transcend, you know, time, but also it allows you as a moviegoer, because I love movies, as a moviegoer, to get lost in the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is what he does, and that, I think that's fantastic. And you know, he gives he gives uh, he gives a hell of a schooling for anyone that's on set. That's that's what it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the Tarantino School of Filmmaking is none better. All right, that's great. That's great, Dennis. It's been a pleasure uh, and an honor to have you on the show. You know, I, I know that you're going to have a lot of other projects you're going to be working on. I mean, Django Unchained. I have no doubt it's going to be uh, it's going to be a blockbuster, uh, and a lot of people are going to go see it. Uh, I think that you know you're going to have a lot of things going on. So what I'd like to do, you know, is down the road, you know, bring you back on the show, and we're gonna we'll have a, a different conversation because uh, I think you and I can actually talk about things for some time. You know, I know um, you know in the beginning of the show, as I as I told you when we were. When we when we took a little break, that I was a little shaky because I was trying to figure out where I needed to start with you, and you have so many um, things to do, and it's like, all right, where, where am I going to start here, uh, so I can tell your story? But the only person that can tell your story is you. Well, you know what's interesting? What you're what's interesting about your approach with this is that, uh, and I've done a lot of PR in the past few weeks. Uh, centered around Django. I mean, you definitely wanted to know all the stuff that you asked about Django, but it seemed to me that this interview, you were trying to find out what it's like to have a career as an actor. Um, Not necessarily a star, but an actor. And that's a different conversation. Mm -hmm. And and that's how you started, and I really appreciate your approach because it's been different than anybody else. No, no, no problem. But isn't that what it's about, too? You know, you're, you know... Well, this particular angle, yeah. this particular angle, yeah. Um, there are other people who want to know, what's it like on the set? What's it like on the deal? What's it? But you wanted to know about what it, what it takes to be an actor, what it, what, you know, if that is your profession. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily being a star, certainly not being a celebrity. Um, it seems to me that that's what you were more interested in, and that was your angle on this interview. Definitely. And as I say, unique compared to uh, a lot of the other ones out there. So I appreciate you talking about um, some of the more uh, earlier work and uh, and possibly some of the most um, some of the more obscure work, because you know there are young people out here that don't know uh, Robert Altman. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, I worked for for Federico Fellini, and people go, "Who's that?" So. You know, sometimes it's good to revisit these things and bring them up again so that, you know, 
somebody when they're ordering their Netflix, they can uh, order a movie that they're not really familiar with and have their mind blown, you know? Yeah, right. So I think you did a service to uh, the whole idea of filmmaking and, uh, and, well, thank and you. acting in general, acting in general from film to theater, and we touched on television too. Yeah. So it's been a very satisfying talk that I've had. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, Dennis. You humbled me. At the end of this show, you uh -huh. humbled me, and I, I appreciate that. But, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, any movie lover, any moviegoer that really loves watching movies, it's good to go and watch the older movies. Learn about learn about them, because it's not just about yeah. someone going in a movie and saying, oh, I'm going to be a big star, and this is who I am. No, it's about what they do, their craft, how they how they draw you into the picture, into the theater, and, and, and into that situation, and that's the magic that I was talking about with, with Tarantino, with you, and other great actors and great directors that are in Hollywood because there are all there are a lot of them, and it's, I, to me, it's just an amazing uh, thing to watch, no doubt. Perfect. Okay, but again, Dennis, thank you again for coming on the show. And do you have uh, do you have a website or something so some if someone wanted uh, to find out oh, more about yeah, you? And, a, and you got Twitter there's a, too. There's a Facebook uh, thing that my uh, PR company put up because uh, put up that's happening there now. It's more like a fan page because I'm not so much into Facebook, but I'm I'm loving the Twitter. My um, my Twitter. What do, you, what do you even call that? A Is handle. that your Twitter address? You, you, no, your Twitter your handle. Twitter handle. Twitter My handle. handle there. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, at Dennis, D-E-N-N-I-S-C-H-R-I-S-T-O, and then the number four. Ah, so it would be Christo4. Right. And, uh, yeah. And I sent, I sent you a tweet. I sent you a tweet. Oh, yeah. That's how this whole thing happened, right? Yeah, no. Uh, actually, uh you you I was talking I mean that was the genesis of it. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That was the yeah. genesis of it and yeah. and it's just again, technology brings us closer, but you know what? When you're on set with Tarantino, that doesn't work. No Twitter, no Facebook, none of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But Dennis, thank you again and I appreciate it and and I, I'm looking forward to seeing Django Unchained and I look forward to having you on the show again. Yeah, I'd love to do it, man. Keep in touch. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Initiating shutdown sequence. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What is your major malfunction? So let it be written. So let it be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.